0: Hi, welcome to another episode of the TK Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex, and for this episode, I'm joined by my co-host Anushka. In this episode, we are talking about challenges of ageism in the workplace and what we can do to overcome it. Our special guest for this episode is Andy Coker, an account executive who's been at Microsoft for over eight years. This is someone with a satchel of personal stories which will be valuable to many groups within our listeners. So wherever you are, grab a notebook and a pen and enjoy the TK Podcast. Hi, welcome everybody. Welcome to the TK Podcast. This is the second episode that we are running and you'll see that we have new people with us. So I'm joined today by Andy Coker um, he's one of the extremely well-oiled people at Microsoft who's really made his way through Microsoft over his tenure. Um, how how many years has it been? About eight eight years in total.
1: <laughs> yeah, so eight and a half years now. Eight and a half and I, years. I did another year as an intern
0: um, a long time ago as well. So lives and lives and breathes the brand, which is fantastic. And also <laughs> not forgetting my co-host. Um I'm not going to do her introduction. I'll leave it to her.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Anushka, or what m- most people call me is Nush. I've been at SoftCat for 21 years, so a bit of a, an oh. old timer there, really, considering we're talking about age- ageism as well. Um, <laughs> I started at SoftCat when we were only about 50 employees and um, privileged to have gotten us to like 1,800 employees. And I look after employee engagement, diversity and inclusion and also mental health at SoftCat.
0: Oh, perfect! Very cool. And then you guys know me. I keep I keep it short and sweet. Um, Alex Work Software One. Um, been there for about a year and a half now. I've worked in the uh, reseller IT industry previously, um, and and yeah, that's that's the basis of me really. And um, we're all part of TK here, but myself and Nush, um, and yeah really looking forward to bringing you this insert and today we're looking to focus specifically around ageism and what that means for people in different parts of their career. What's nice about the people that we have on this podcast today is that everyone's at different points within their career which means they'll have different stories that they'll be able to share and different views and different insights and we're we're hoping that with that information you're going to be able to take that and use that in your day-to-day life when it going to be usable or reasonably usable at that time um so first and foremost um Andy do you want to give a little bit more of an introduction to you and sort of how your work life started out and how you've kind of got to the position you're in now
1: yeah sure I'll give it a go and just just shut me off if I start to ramble Um, (laughs) so yeah Andy Coker um I'm a senior client executive at Microsoft. In plain English that means I've I work within the sales department looking after the relationship with um some of our key resale customers. Um a little bit about me generally, so I'm thirty-one, so I've you know, I'm kind of youngish still, <laughs> I, I like to think. Um and in terms of my background, um I was born in the UK but to Ghanaian parents and we moved uh, back to Ghana when I was three, lived out there for four years until I was seven moved back to the UK and I I lived in a number of places until kind of 11, 12 where I settled um, in near Southend-on-Sea, so grew up in Essex, Um, went to university at Aston to study business and international relations, joined Microsoft in 2011 as an intern, so I did a a year-long placement and rejoined Microsoft in 2013 as a graduate, where I've been ever since. So that's a little bit of my kind of journey.
2: Oh, Amazing.
0: Okay, and could you could you say a little bit more about that internship? Because you must you would have come in at quite a young age into that internship. How how was that experience? How how did that feel for you?
1: Yeah, you know, it was the first time I'd I'd worked in the corporate world. Naturally, so it, it was very new. I it was something that I'd sought out even when I was applying for university. I knew I wanted to work um, ideally in technology, but also do a placement year. And it was a great internship. It still continues to be a, you know, I think in the UK, it's one of the best internships available that wins a number of awards. And if you picture a cohort of roughly 100 people working across the business in different disciplines, uh, most of us moved down to Redden or London. um, So again, there was a really good community. Lots of, um, you know, made friends for life. I've been, you know, groomsmen for some of the people I met on intern year. You know, I've had some of them as my groomsmen as well. Um, you know, so it was a phenomenal experience, really great opportunity to, you know, start your career in an organization which has so many different um, departments, elements when, you know, fundamentally, I, I still say I, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And, <laughs> um, you know, certainly when I was 20, I had, I didn't really have much of an idea. So starting at Microsoft and having that experience and breadth was really, was really great
2: interesting you say um you didn't know what to do when you when you still you know like you might not know what to do when you grow up and it's interesting like at that early age how people are kind of fixated on picking the right job so early on when actually there's so many different lifelong decisions that you're going to be making along the way that kind of really um develop your you and your career
0: yeah no definitely so so I, i kind of want to step back into time um Focusing on this internship again. Um so how how old was you when you started that internship? Did you say? Was it twenty? Sorry. Yeah, I was twenty. Twenty. Okay. So you're quite young, just come out of uni, fresh faced, not too much experience in the office world, and you step through the Microsoft doors and you're you're greeted by people who are generally older than you. What what kind of feelings did you get? when you was in there did you feel like there was some type of like imposter syndrome like you shouldn't be where you should be or did you did you sort of walk into it and think you know what I back myself all of my experiences up to this point has set me up to be ready for the task at hand
1: yeah it's a great question I mean to be fair the internship I didn't yeah I definitely felt imposter syndrome it was a big company everybody's said of Microsoft it's quite a cool place to be um I'd say I felt much more imposter syndrome when I returned as a graduate in 2013. So as an intern, I was in an internal role, um, doing comms and events. Um, and, and yes, I was working with a team that was younger than me and more experienced, but certainly everybody knew I was an intern and the expectation was that I would be there to learn and grow and and shape myself as a graduate. I was in a customer facing role within support. And what that meant was that I was quite quickly customer facing, and that's where I started to really feel some imposter syndrome. In fact, I remember one of my first meetings um, with a customer being introduced, and even then, you know, I was c- conscious about my age. I got on the train to Richmond, you know, wore my best, you know, suit, and you <laughs> know, was worried about, you know, how to show up. And even in that meeting, the colleague who I was picking up that particular customer from. Um, you know had 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 a bit of a rocky relationship with that customer and you know he made a comment around you know and you handed me over to this this guy and it was very much this guy from a perspective of fresh-faced you know I'm I'm paying Microsoft a contract to deliver a service and here's some kind of kid out for uni so (laughs) you know there was definitely imposter syndrome there and I think certainly internally, Microsoft has got a lot of um, early in career folk, a very established intern and graduate program, and even an apprentice program now. So being young within Microsoft, I haven't felt, you know, like, you know, like anything different or an anomaly, certainly within a customer environment that has been more the case where I am and have been conscious of my age. Um, you know, starting to fade now, obviously I'm I'm a bit longer in the tooth, I'm a bit older. Uh, but certainly for a number of years, that was something that I was very, very conscious of.
2: Mm. <laughs> and, more, really... and more importantly,
0: did you solve that issue for the customer? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Sorry, I was saying more importantly, did you solve that issue for the customer? Were you able to do well in that meeting? Yeah, it, you know what that that customer that customer experience taught
1: me a lot. Um, it, things did get resolved. He was quite a fiery character generally um very straight talking and very direct and we did build a relationship over time and we did um you know we did resolve some of the challenges that existed between um you know their organization and microsoft and it was, I'm, i am smiling because i remember as our relationship went on i remember trying to kind of upsell him a contract and he kind of laughed at me and said Andy don't ever go into sales and I will always remember exactly where I sat when he told me that because again it was that time in my life where I was feeling you know actually sales might be something I want to do and I really kind of thought to myself you know I'm going to you know I I will prove that I can and actually I'm now in sales in in that role as a discipline so we did resolve it but yeah it kind of also gave me a bit of fire to to kind of prove something as well.
2: Amazing.
0: Wow. Yeah.
2: Um. Did uh, Did you at that stage um. Think about like you were talking about your age and you know I guess the level of experience at that stage in your career. Um. Did race ever come into that mix at all?
1: Yeah. I, I, to be honest, my experience at Microsoft hasn't. I've not had negative, certainly not overt negative experiences mm. linked to my race. I'd say, in terms of my time out with customers and the way I'm perceived and perhaps, you know, the way I am conscious of my race, that's probably been more of a factor. So, you know, there's a term called covering or some people use the term double consciousness where, you know, if you step into a room, you immediately do a subconscious double take of who else is in the room, what their experience of somebody that looks like you is like, and actually that affects, you know, the way that you potentially act or the way you, you you do certain things. And, you know, I've had times where I've thought, you know, should I get my hair cut in a certain way, you know, get cut too low before a certain meeting? Will I come across as, you know, in a certain way or, you know, perpetuate a stereotype? Because unfortunately as a, as a young black male, there are potentially stereotypes that will um, be more quickly assigned to me than if I didn't, if I wasn't from that kind of, you know, social category. So Again, things like that have, have have been a factor, but again, it's not necessarily slowed me down or held me back. It's little things like for I, I remember once I drove up to Leeds for a customer meeting and a long journey I'm gonna put on my, you know, my favourite music or, you know, my my mate's so always gimme stick for saying, you know, this is my jam, you know, I put on my jams, <laughs> I was driving up to Leeds. I remember I got to the um to the gate to kind of get let in and I was still playing you know, my music, which was at that time, you know, quite strong, heavy rap music. Yeah. I remember thinking, oh, you know, I need to tone this down. I need to, you know, come across in a certain way. And I'm in, I'm in kind of work mode. And I think that, that kind of covering and, you know, awareness of perception and not wanting to appear a certain way is something that has, you know, been, been there and speaking to other, you know, young black men um as well. It's, it's something that, you know we're conscious of and yeah just something again it's not something that has necessarily slowed me down but over time it's something that has been a factor for sure
2: yeah andy I've just been, uh been just, been quite... sorry alex go on sorry go on. i was just going to say just for our, aud- <laughs> our, our our audience members um andy i wondered if you could just give a real simple explanation of what you mean by covering and a definition
1: yeah, so it's I guess covering. I, I'd probably say that the term double consciousness is probably more kind of sits more with me in in terms of my experience, and it's it's that if if you step into a room and you see people that potentially have not had um, a lot of experience with you, but have you fit a stereotype visually, you may do a double take as to how to act and you know how you be perceived. So. You might downplay certain elements of your character, or overplay other elements of your character to fit a certain stereotype, or be seen
0: or perceived in a certain way.
2: Yeah, thank you. I yeah, just thought it was
0: exactly. important to highlight that. Sure, I, I think it's quite interesting that you call it um, something different to what I would say it is because I've had conversations with my peers and um, different people in the business, and I define it as surface acting so you go into a room and instead of being this wholehearted person that you are you sort of pick certain aspects for, to fit certain situations so that you can come across in a certain way um i think and in the last episode and that we did we did touch upon something quite similar um so it's interesting to see that there is a common rhetoric especially from um black males to say that this is something that we've had to do um and I think even black females or or multicultural females and speaking on behalf of of Nush here um there's there's a element where you have to go into a room and they put an expectation on you even if you've not said anything or done anything yet um so it's a it's it's quite a difficult one and the same thing rolls in with ageism as well if you've come into a room and you're fresh-faced 2021 um versus someone who's coming and they're 31 32 automatically you think okay 31 32 they're probably going to be more senior i have more experience i have more knowledge when that 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 always doesn't seem to be the case um do you think there's been scenarios within your career where people have sort of underestimated your value because of your age for example
1: yeah i mean age for sure um I mean, I remember one colleague who joined the business um, and, and started working with me and I I recognized that he was questioning everything I would suggest the way I wanted to approach things, despite me, you know, having been in a role for a little bit of time and, you know, having a good grasp of, of how to execute on the role. And again, I could tell at the crux of it, it was because I was young and he felt, you know, because he'd been around for a while, you know, he almost had to say the complete opposite view of what I was saying and almost felt like he was trying to coach me and teach me and, you know, at, ev- at every opportunity, even though actually, you know, as a team, I'm, I'm hugely respectful by other people's opinions, but also if, if I've been there kind of six years, I probably know a little bit of the way things work. So I've, I've definitely had situations like that. I think as well, just, just going back to the point you were making before around, um, you know, people perceiving certain roles or um projecting certain things. So again when you know, when I've done reading and and tried to learn about the female experience in the workplace and heard about people, you know, for example, there'll be one woman in a room of ten and there'll be a meeting and, you know, the woman gets asked to take the notes and, and things like that which are yeah. subtle but clearly um sexist and and coming from a a, a place rooted in, in sexism. Again I've 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 found actually sometimes being a black male I've had projections of certain things put onto me that haven't necessarily been negative so routinely I'll be someone who people think is really confident or you know in a certain kind of way and you know I'll be the one kind of oh Andy you do this or oh yeah you stand up and you know you'll be confident you're you're that guy right so again it's it's just something that has been subtle and actually being aware of it and and trying to use that in a context that isn't a disadvantage but maybe even sometimes helpful again being somebody that you know if if i'm one of a few black faces in an office i'm more easily recognizable and again i don't think that has necessarily been a bad thing maybe even a good thing um in my career so far so again it it kind of cuts both ways but it's, it's some of those subtleties that
0: that you are conscious of and do occur and Nush, sort of a question for you, um, being the more wiser, trying to oh, pick, thanks, Alex. pick um, <laughs> no, trying to pick the, the right choice of words here. Um, the more, the more, <laughs> the more wiser one in the room. Um, have you seen or had? Has, has there been any examples in your career where you've you've been judged based on your age or your look or or anything similar to that?
2: Yeah, I um, I'd probably say when I first started at Softcat, so I actually started in a sales role as well when I um was twenty-one, like so straight out of uni, and I think there was that kind of um, when you are seeing customers who are um a more you know are more mature than you, they know their IT stuff as well. As a reseller, when you're trying to talk to them about different pieces of software or hardware to make their lives easier, I definitely think um, the age bit factored into it and we used to have um a guy called ian who joined softcat about a year or so after i i had joined softcat and he was he came in as our microsoft guru our microsoft specialist and he was I don't know, 15 years, a lot, 15 years older than us and was, had been in the industry for a lot longer than us as well. And when he came on board, we'd all want to take Ian out on customer meetings with us, particularly if we were, you know, because we just wanted to add that maturity to, to that customer meeting. Um, I didn't I've ever feel affected by my race though interestingly I didn't ever think oh you know like the fact that I'm an ethnic minority is going to play a massive part in this but I did I did feel more about that that, that kind of being a woman and being a young woman, being more um, being more prevalent really, um, particularly when you're in a room full of men, white men normally as well. Um, when you're going out to see customers, that was that was pre that that felt a little bit more challenging. Um, but yeah, never never race at all. But the age bit definitely played on it until I'd probably been at Softcat for a good five or six years I'd kind of built my built my career as a team leader at that point I was managing a team I was a bit more bit more known in Softcat at that point because I was sitting on the management team and at that point age didn't kind of really factor into it I think so once you start to build your credibility um, that kind of age and also being a woman at that time didn't play a huge factor for me
0: yeah, no, that's that that's interesting. Um and I know you mentioned a lot about sort of the start of your career, with the position you're you're now in where it's quite you're quite deeply entrenched with Softcat. Um what what would you say are sort of the three advantages to your experiences and, and sort of people judging you from like just your status within the company?
2: Um I'd probably say like now it's it's definitely different for me I um I sit on the leadership team I'm one of four women who sit on the leadership team and I'm the only ethnic minority as well on that leadership team so if I'm honest sometimes that plays a bit of a factor in in my mind I'm like um you know, I still walk into a room and I'll still be the majority of my stakeholders, the majority of the people that I'm involved with on a day to day basis um, are white um, still. But I try not to let it be a factor too much. I mean, like my role now is different. So inherently, I'm talking more about diversity. I can challenge those stakeholders more. I can speak to the CEO and the CFO and the MD and all of our directors more openly and challenge them about how it's how it makes me feel sometimes as well. So it kind of brings it to the table a little bit more. Um, and I, I, I don't know, part of me just thinks, if um, I remember like 10 years ago, I couldn't see anybody who looked like me. And whilst I was quite ambitious, I couldn't see anybody who looked like me in those senior positions. So, I guess if my lasting legacy at Softcat, I mean, I've been there for 21 years, you know, inevitably I will leave one day if my lasting (laughs) legacy can be that somebody else has been inspired to get into management or senior roles. And I will absolutely lift as I climb. You know, I will definitely move women along um, in particular and where I can do my bit in terms of making sure that there is more representation of ethnic minorities. I'll definitely do my bit there where I possibly can.
0: Okay. Okay. So Andy, my, my question to you, um, what would be the three things that you would say to yourself just starting out um, at Microsoft? What would be, you think, the most valuable information you could give to yourself to equip you for success? Tough, I mean, great
1: question. Um, Three things, I guess... I mean, I've seen certainly along the way that, you know, hard work is, is a fundamental element of success. So, you know, being focused and, and actually working really hard to, to, you know, learn your job, you know, do some of the extra things that you're passionate about or that make a difference to the business. And, you know, fundamentally hard work is is a key ingredient to any success, you know, definitely keep, keep up hard work, even when there are distractions, even when it's difficult, even when you're lacking motivation because things aren't moving as fast as you want, et cetera. Um, I'd say secondly, you know, just, just be yourself. I, it's, it's so cliche. It sounds a bit Disney, it is, but, isn't it? um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think fundamentally as, as I've gone on through my time at Microsoft and I've, I've been, um, you know, I feel I've always been broadly myself, but even, you know, bringing more facets of my personality character being to the fore. Um, and again, it, it it it's quite multi layered. So I've had feedback. I had, I mean, so just taking a step back, both my parents are obviously Ghanaian. I was grew up in a Ghanaian home, and in Ghanaian cultures and and a lot of West African and and broader cultures, there's a lot of deference towards um, your elders. Yeah. And actually coming into the workplace where suddenly I had you know responsibility and you know people that were significantly older than me were also my peers, and I had to you know, square that circle. And, and, you know, I've always been someone who gets feedback. oh, you're really smiley, you're really polite. <laughs> but actually, that's also cut the other way. You know, I've had people tell me, you know, I'm not sure about putting you in this situation because you'd be too nice or too polite or, you know, you need to find your edge.
2: Yeah. And
1: actually, I think understanding who I am and how to, you know, not, not lose myself and lose that deference, which is natural from, you know, my culture and my upbringing, and bring that into the work environment and, you know, bring that to bear in the right way it has been important. It has been a bit of a learning, but, you know, equally for the business, I think, you know, that that's a good, you know, if I, you know, move on with the business and manage and lead, etc., that's something that I'll be keen to, you know, impart that actually don't just look at the color of someone's skin, look at their upbringing, look at their culture, look at what family means to them, look at what certain situations might, you know, do to affect their decision making and factor in those things into into who they are and how that might kind of manifest itself in the way that they act. Um so that's a long winded way of saying be yourself, even though <laughs> you know yourself might not be fully understood in the context of, of your upbringing by your your peers and your managers. Uh third bit of advice I mean I, I think I've I've been at Microsoft for a long time and, and part of that is I enjoy I've enjoyed my jobs. I've had, I've, I've never had a bad manager. I've had some brilliant managers, mm-hmm. and that's fortunate. But I've also got a lot of energy from some of the things that I've done outside of my day job. So, whether it's been with the graduate committee when I was was kind of coming through, or when, you know, I played football pretty badly, I must add, but I played football <laughs> with the football team. Um, throughout my time at Microsoft, um, I'm now part of the Embrace Employee Resource Group, one of the leads for that and it's essentially Embrace Employee Resource Group is, is focused on um, how we internally and externally support people from BAME backgrounds and, and make sure that we're increasing opportunity, raising aspirations, you know, things I'm hugely passionate about and being able to spend my time, some of my time on, on those extracurricular activities has been a big part of, of why I feel so energised to, to kind of be around.
0: Oh that's that's good and i hope for some of our listeners they're they're taking notes on on that section and they're going to be able to take that <laughs> into their work phase as well because i think there's some really good nuggets of information in there um no it's a question for you um first of all i don't think the listeners are fully aware of the role that you play um within softcat so if you could give some information around that and then sort of Dipping into the side when it comes to recruitment, um, just having the shedding some light on that process and how you try and keep that impartial, um, whether it's age, race, gender, um, and all of those things.
2: Yeah, I mean, like my 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 role at Softcat is is pretty broad. broad. I'm really lucky to be able to um, look at look after. Making well look after the piece of the job that I do, which is about making sure that we can be an employer of choice, as I kind of put it. So, when I look after anything related to employee engagement, it's really about how do our people feel about our organization, what keeps the people at SoftCat, and you know, from a culture perspective, as well as how have we continuously tried to improve that. So, you know, when I first started at Softcat, it was very, it was quite a laddie culture, you know, like I joined Softcat when... um, we were all the demographic was still really young there was only 50 of us we were all pretty up for it and socially going out and all that and stuff and as the companies evolved you know we've we've had to keep ourselves in check on that so whilst the performance is great the business model's great you know we're still hiring amazing talent from a a diversity perspective, we've had to change some elements in terms of making sure that we've created that inclusive culture along the way. So yes, we're all really good mates. Yes, we have this family centric culture. But at the same time, we've had to make sure that it is inclusive. And with that, I mean, diversify what we do on a day to day basis, you know, like not all of our teen nights out need to involve alcohol because you know people from different backgrounds don't always drink alcohol and it's kind of just making sure that we're keeping ourselves um like i said being being that employer of choice for people outside of that what we would call like um a, a great person that you'd want to go out for a drink with you know we want to make sure that we're we're attracting all sorts of different diverse talent which has meant we've had to change some of our recruitment processes we've had to make sure that um from a community perspective we've had to keep ourselves in check and um andy you mentioned um, um your your embrace network like Softcat has a similar network at soft uh, in our in our organization as well which concentrates on um racial equality and making sure that we create creating that safe space um, and we have a community for, for race along with um, women in business and other different networks as well. And um, the younger generation coming through the door now don't just want job they don't want just the job and the salary they want to come in and be a part of a community and the more the better the environment we can create which is saying that you know you've got a safe space you've got a, a space where you can vocalize your opinions um because by vocalizing your your opinions you're changing our culture for the better um the more of that that we can do as a company the better so that really does start with that attraction piece as well so our, our company has to really speak volumes about that so that as soon as people start they know that they um are embodying the values and they've got a place that they can be themselves because of the, the culture I hope that kind of answers your question Alex
0: yeah that did extensively no that was that was impressive um what, what I wanted to um, focus in on was around the point you said about young people wanting it to be sort of like a home for them um what what do you think are sort of the key things that you've had to implement in order to get soft cap prepared for that sort of age range coming into the business um and how has those changes affected those who are sort of on the other side who have been that soft for a long period of time maybe looking more towards retirement or or something similar to that
2: yeah uh, like really good question alex i mean again, when I first started, I was 21, probably, you know, up for a party. I've since been at Softcat. I've got two children. I've got a 10 year old and a seven year old. My life's really different. Um, You know, Friday nights are all about PJs and a glass of wine and watching some like something like Top of the Pops on telly. It's, um, you know, it's changed. (laughs) Um, And some people might call me a little bit sad for that. But, you know, like everyone wants something different. And and as an organization like our average age is obviously um, get is getting older so i think like when i did the stats a couple of weeks ago our average age is like about 29 and a half which still might seem young to some organizations but mm. For the fact that Softcat has a a business model, which is about hiring young talent, you know, apprentices and graduates Um, to see that age going and creeping up is a really positive thing because we do have lots of people sticking it out at Softcat. You know, um, there's not I've been there 21 years, but there are a lot of people who have also been there for a long, a long period of time. And um, one of the things that we've really focused on heavily, which has had a huge impact on on our business, is our SoftCat family network and actually helping us diversify what we do there as well. So going back to kind of values and community, um, sharing this sense of like, you know, everyone has different caring responsibilities. It's not just about looking after your children, but you'll have different responsibilities. I think, Andy, you mentioned about kind of being respectful to your elders part of our culture is also about looking after our elders as well Um, and that kind of is alien to some people and I know that you know a drop of a hat if I have to go and look after my parents I'm going to have to do that at some stage so we've kind of created this culture that caring doesn't mean just children it means looking after our broader family and embracing that as a company so it's looking after our fellow colleagues as a family, looking after our family as in outside of work, but making it kind of normal as well. And I think that our family networks had a massive um influence on how we've kind of focused on that moving forward as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's that sounds like SoftCat are in a really good position to um to look after their people in the right way and, and give them the right support, which is which is fantastic. And I'm sure Microsoft and also software one we have a same framework set up um to support our our family essentially because it is family you spend most of your time with them day to day i know covid right now means that we're all working from in front of a screen but there was a time where we was all in each other's spaces helping each other out and and trying to optimize what we can achieve as a team um my question to to both of you as a group is we've we've got sort of the new generation coming in um and then I remember something quite funny so I used to work in um office shoes and while I was working there we had done this thing where it was like oh who's born when and like someone was like 95 98 92 etc yeah. etc cetera, et cetera. um I and love how you said all the
2: there, 90s
0: there. One... there Alex yeah I mean it was it was a young <laughs> it was a young workplace in, in general um <laughs> But then, but then we came round um, to one person, and he said, "Oh, I'm born in 2001." And we all kind of went, "Oh, wow, ain't heard that before." <laughs> um, so, so I'm, I'm wondering, how do you think the workforce is going to change with sort of the that age group starting to come into the workplace? That sort of Gen Z, especially with the fact that they're sort of born in this digital age and they've always had the internet and they're. they're they're relatively more educated when it comes to technology in general.
1: Yeah, I can give a bit of a layman's view. I mean, to be fair, I do, as part of the Embrace Employee Resource Group, the element that I lead is around our external partnerships. And through that we deliver a number of programs, including work experience, um mentoring programs, business challenges aimed at you know, students between 16 to 21 so over time I've seen a number of things around that age group which which do seem quite quite key and conscious so there's certainly a piece around the organization you work for being in line with your values you know yes people are always going to want to work for somewhere that's going to pay the bills and where they can progress granted but equally organizations that have a you know the right social output and and impact are important whether that's the ability to deliver social impact within the company or the company's making a big splash in that space. But mm-hmm. also if, if the company is is not, is doing the opposite and is actually seeing this a bit, you know, a bit of a corporate beast or, you know, just not really where you want to work because you, you're going to tell your peers, right, I'm working here. And again, social image is, is quite a, a key thing now. Social media yeah. is has changed. I remember when I was at uni, Facebook was, you know, just becoming a thing. So, you know, makes me sound like a dinosaur now, right? But, (laughs) um, you know, the the social media dynamic and, you know, the place you work being part of your identity is quite key. And then the other piece is is around feedback and and progression. So as part of the work I did with the graduate community within Microsoft, we we run a number of surveys and the, the things that mattered most to people were... The ability to progress and also receiving regular feedback which is something that is is quite if, if you look at statistics gen gen z's do seem to want more regular feedback more um you know short sharp recognition when smaller milestones are achieved so for organizations to be aware of that and to make sure that they are allowing people to progress but also regularly telling them when they're on track and also off track because that was another thing people were really keen to grow and, and hear what they're not doing well. And I think those are two things which are quite um, important as we start to bring on a younger, well, the next generation.
2: Yeah, really interesting, all you... that stuff that you just said there, Andy. I think like at Softcat, um, it's, I always have a couple of funny intakes. And when I say funny intakes, our apprenticeship intakes always the um my funniest audience because they won't have been alive when I first started at SoftCat, which um, absolutely leaves them all in stitches because they're just like have no idea what it was like when you first started. And you're saying Facebook wasn't around, was was just launching when you were at uni. It wasn't even around when I was at uni, so nothing to do with social media was out there. So I'm definitely the dinosaur in this podcast. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like with The Apprentices, it's just... um, It's I I love hanging. I love when I say hanging out with them, sounding like I'm too cool for I'm too cool here. But I love I love working with them because you just get such a different perspective. And going back to what you've just said there, Andy, about feedback and recognition, I absolutely agree with you. It's um, I think. I remember when I was growing up, um, my, 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 my parents used to be like, you know, it's, it's all about working hard. Don't worry about too, you know, just, just kind of prove your worth and keep working hard. And I think, yes, that is still the case for the young, the younger gen, but I probably just worked and worked and worked and just waited for the feedback and, or thought that if I work hard enough, I will progress. And I'm sure that is still the case, but I feel like the younger gen probably asked for it a little bit more, which I love because I love that they're wanting that feedback. They're wanting that recognition. And I love that they're, wanted, they're ambitious at the same time. Um, and the one thing that's probably helped us quite a bit is that re- is reverse mentoring is understanding what, what people need at that, whether it's that age or that specific demographic, or it could be specific to a location, or it could be specific to their race or whatever, um, giving us that insight. You know, like we're learning so much more stuff of um, of uh, that that younger generation, so to speak. Um, absolutely vital and critical to to our to our company as we grow and evolve as well. So, um, I think like you know, generally listening, learning. Um, for me that's kind of vital that's part of what I campaign against at at, at Softcat as well is learning about different backgrounds learning about different demographics you know we've got to just keep continuously doing that to keep evolving what we've got in place at the moment
0: yeah for sure I agree with that I I definitely do agree with that so I wanted to ask sort of a similar question but more about the boomers the baby boomers because i think they're sort of coming up to that retirement age i think the average is um not average or the typical age is around 66 now um so I'm, i'm just wondering is there or i know we've kind of covered it what would be sort of three things you could tell a boomer to say this is how you can be more accommodating to someone who's a millennial or gen z or, or gen x within within your workforce because like you just said nush um there's a lot of people who have just gone through work without getting much praise and they're sort of head down and just drive through it they, they they might not understand the new workforce coming in are looking for that little bit of love do you think there's other areas that they may be able to help with or or any ways they can try and help the business progress in terms of understanding the new wave of, of people coming into the workplace?
2: Yeah, I think like for for, for us, it's always making sure that you're not it, it, deliberately excluding people who are new. And when I say deliberately excluding, like their, the value and the opinions and the perspectives that they come with is so important to evolving what you have today. Like you know, quite frankly, I won't I won't be here in twenty years at Softcat um, to see what happens. But so it's it's our it's kind of almost our duty to make sure that we're listening to that workforce because Softcat will be around, and those people are going to be the ones that are running our organisations in years to come, um, uh, or running you know parts of our business. So we have to like listen and adapt and evolve and and not not kind of i have been in scenarios before where you think oh you know it's just a young person's view so you know we're all experienced we kind of know what we're doing but i i I totally disagree with that um yes we come with experience and i'm saying we because i'm probably the older person at Softcat. is that yes we come with experience yes we've got some battle scars yes we've kind of you know been through some rocky times as an organization and you know we've 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 come to where we are today but there's so much more to come like um I think in our previous podcast, we said, you know, technology is here to stay. It is going to evolve. It is going to be something completely funky in like 5, 10, 15 years time that I I might not know enough about. Whereas the younger gen will and they're coming to us with kind of so much to to give. So I think we have a duty to bring them them in on that journey um, so that they can, yeah, like I said, run this part of our business in, in future times. I don't know about what you think, Andy.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I, I think, I mean, a lot of what you said is, is, is so true, but it almost puts too much of the onus on, you know, potentially the older generations mm. to adapt to the younger generations. And I think, you know, me and people younger than me and even people older than me have a lot to learn from those that have trodden their career journey and actually are towards the end, you know, if I think of some of the mentors and managers that I've had, the experience and perspective that they have from broader life, whether it's having kids or changing, you know, jobs, companies, careers, those are things that I've not been through. And yes, the world might be a bit different, but it's not completely different, right? Those people still have wisdom. And I think that wisdom is something that shouldn't be underestimated, should still absolutely be respected. And actually it's probably around you know making sure that people are integrating and you've got a good mix of different generations when you're making decisions when you're designing products and you know ultimately when you're trying to either serve your customers sell software whatever you're trying to do as a business it's probably going to work better if you've got those mix of perspectives and I think it shouldn't just be a case of you know those guys are kind of over and out let's you know let's make sure this is relevant for youngsters because ultimately you're going to come across a you know the the demographic of the UK is changing. It's an aging population. Older people are still absolutely going to be spending money making decisions, voting. You know, we need to make sure it's relevant for everybody and make sure that
0: everybody's views are coming in into the same picture. So I totally agree. Yeah, both of you have made made great points there. Um unfortunately we've we've run out of time um for our sessions. So first and foremost, thank you Andy, um, for joining us and talking about age and your experiences and how that affects in the workplace. Um, I'm hoping that our listeners have been able to take little sound bites from that and will be able to implement that in their day-to-day duties and speak to their peers and their colleagues about that. And same to you, Nush, as well. Um, I think your vast experience and knowledge um, and being on the leadership team with Softcat has really given a lot of value um, to this session. And I I know that people will be able to, to take that with them. Um so as as usual, um please follow us on socials. If you want to follow Andy, he's he's on LinkedIn um and we'll be able to share with you some other ways of getting in contact with him if you've got any questions or queries. Same with Nisha as well. Um we can you, we will share those social media outlets so that you may be able to get in contact. Um it's been great that you've been able to give us your time today um if it's the start of your day then have a great day if it's the end then I hope that you have a good rest and have spent this time well taking notes and reflecting and learning and understanding more about the topics that we've been sharing today and from TK and everyone at the pods I just want to say thank you for listening and we look forward to you listening on the next part of our podcast series so take care guys and have a, have a good day and have a good sleep or have a good night
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank bye. you alex cheers bye
0: thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to hearing your thoughts so please continue the dialogue on socials to stay updated on when we release the next episode follow us on linkedin and on twitter at tc re and don't forget to check our website at www.tcare.org for more information and content on today's topics.